Hi guys, Vlad's here. And in today's episode, we will be talking about learning, learning a foreign language. And even though I'll obviously be basing my examples on the two languages that I teach, English and Russian, it's quite applicable to any foreign language you might be learning. In this episode, I will focus mostly on some misconceptions, as well as maybe some kinds of mistakes and ways to fix them or my tips on what you could try to improve the situation or to decrease the effect of these mistakes on your learning process. So, let's get started. And the first thing I wanted to talk about is something along the lines, I can't learn a foreign language. And usually in these situations, you will hear two types of excuses, maybe or two types of reasoning. One is that I'm too old, I can't do it, you can't learn it after you're 20, after you're 30, after you're 50, whatever. And the second one is usually, I can't learn a foreign language, that's not for me. I don't have the abilities or whatever. And if we talk about these two, they're very common and they're very harmful. If we look at the science, and let's look at the first one. So let's look at the some science and at the facts about the first one. I can't learn a foreign language because I'm told. For example, you're 40 and you're thinking, no, I can't do it too old. Or let's say you're 80. And um, as much as we can't disagree, we can't argue about the fact that, yes, with the age, your brain changes. And with the age, the way you learn and the speed with which you learn and the rate at which you can progress, it does change. So, for example, what we would normally be expecting from a 10-year-old child, we would not be expecting from a 30-year-old person. And this can go actually both ways. Because, yes, children are generally faster to learn something. They're faster to observe it because their brains are in the stage where they're all constantly learning, and that's what they're supposed to be doing at that time. Well, obviously, in adulthood, your brains are more built to kind of be using the knowledge you have. However, it doesn't mean that it's impossible or it's possible. Yes, there will be certain, for example, limitations. And to what I know, the current neurolinguistic research suggests that you can't get to the level of a total native speaker. So you can't get native in a language unless you've started it before the age of 12, I think. But what's important to remember here, being native in a language is extreme level. And that's the level where you feel the language and you understand it on a very subconscious level. While this might not be possible and they think the research is still pretty fresh, you can get fluent in it. You know, for you to be able to communicate, to be able to use it freely and even, let's say, do a PhD, which is probably the highest you can go academically, you don't really need to be native. If you have C2 level proficient, you're fine. And yet you're still not native. So that's a, that's a very important part to understand. The second one is, well, if we talk about I can't learn English, uh, for example, my brain is built for maths. Well, at that point, you might be better at maths. And we know that you can't be extremely talented or you can't be good at everything at the same level. However, it doesn't mean that you can't do anything you're not good at. It might mean that you need to do it a bit differently. And I can give you an example. We know that there are different ways of learning and there are different perceptive system perception systems so how you perceive information how you process it and they can all affect it 
And I think it's important to talk here about two concepts. One is the mindset you come with. So some psychologists talk about fixed and growth mindset. And basically the difference is fixed believes that you're given a certain amount of intelligence at birth, and that's as far as you can go. Well, growth mindset means that you can improve and you can change it. And obviously, if we look at it from the perspective of the growth mindset, we will be looking at it that, yes, it, you can change it. However, it might not always be easy. And that's the part that kind of puts people off sometimes. Also, as I've already mentioned, there are different approaches, there are different learning styles. And while some styles might work for you, for example, you can be very good at math and you might use this logical style using numbers. Obviously, it's not very applicable to the language. At least might not be applicable in the format you've met it before. And that's another part, is that it might not only be that you're bad at languages or how I would rather word it, you might take longer time to learn them. For example, I'm fluent in English. I have a certificate. And I'm terrible at learning languages. My brain is very slow to catch concepts. I need repetition. And still, I learned it. And I learned it because of being aware of my different learning styles. And I think, depends on what psychologist you are reading, you can go from like having just three, like auditorial, visual, and kinetic, to going like up to nine or even more. And the idea here is not how many or how you divide it. The idea is that that you understand how you learn in terms of how information needs to be presented, whether you need to repeat it after a day, whether you need to repeat it five times, whether you need to have a lot of exercises, or maybe, which works for some people, they just need to do it in practice, or they just need to see it. So some people will learn awesomely by watching YouTube videos of other people, let's say, talking or doing even exam tasks. You can find videos, for example, for IELTS speaking parts online. And some people will learn from it. I, for example, won't. It doesn't work for me. And that's very important. This means that you need not only to be open to learning, but also be mindful of how you can learn and what works for you. And then you might want to be discussing with your tutor, teacher. And even if we talk about group settings normally, and for example, when I teach groups, Teachers try to accommodate as many different learning styles as possible, or at least give different, let's say, clues or different way, like presentations. So I will present information in multiple ways so more people can get it. And that's what's very important to keep in mind. Because a lot of people, and I see it continuously, and I think now we can come to kind of a common mistake, which is people don't know how they learn. So people come there and they're like, okay, I want to learn. So well done. You have your growth mindset. You're open-minded. You're willing to learn. But then when it comes to the learning process, we start stumbling upon that people are not prepared or maybe are not aware of how they feel more comfortable learning. I would be asking for feedback and I will be told, okay, everything's fine. But then I will be saying that it's not really fine but the person themselves doesn't really know what to do about it. And obviously here it's like kind of double-sided. So obviously it's for the teacher also to figure it out and try to help. But it's also important that you yourself as a learner try to explore and try to see what works for you. Maybe you want to be doing your homework all in one go right after the lesson. 
and this way you will retain more information. Or maybe you want to do it right before the next lesson, so you revise it a little bit. Or maybe you want to do it right in between. For me, again, I'll give you an example of why it's important to know how you learn. If I need to prepare any presentation, oral topic, a speech, or maybe prepare like for the exam or something, I need to practice while I'm walking. I cannot do it if I'm sitting still in one place, like in my room on the chair. No. I work best if I go outside and walk in the park and retell it in my head and practice. And obviously this, if we go into terminology, this is kinesthetic system of perception. This is kinesthetic learning style. But the point here is that I had to try it out. I had to see different ways. And I was like, oh, this one seems to be working. And now I'm using it. So this is kind of, I would say kind of mistake. But obviously it's more about just practice. Maybe not even practicing, but like trying and seeing what works for you. Now let's talk about some more obvious mistakes and something that I would call a mistake like upfront and what we can do to maybe make the occurrence less frequent or maybe even get rid of them. So the first one, and it's very common in adults, and especially when adults just start learning the language, maybe for the first time, maybe you've never learned this particular language, or maybe you've never learned a foreign language at all, or for the people who've not studied for a while. Uh, people come to the lessons, but they're not very aware of how it works in terms of you need to be mindful that it's going to take some time and you need to be mindful that you need to dedicate this time. What I mean by that is that if you start for a month or two and then have a big break, it's going to be useless because you will forget everything or almost everything. And that's why it's very important to keep in mind and to be aware that a break for more than a week without you doing something at home. So if we talk about, for example, the classes that are fully classroom centered so you don't really do much work at home and this is usually the option for adults because obviously you have your life you probably have children you have a job you might just want to watch tv and rest and that's fine that's why you would rather just do everything within the classroom and then go home freely but if this is the case this means that if you have a break for longer than a week you will start forgetting it the material you will start forgetting Obviously, it's not as acute or it's not as a big, big of an issue if we talk about higher levels, like levels B2, C1, C2. You can have these breaks because you won't really be studying as much in terms of like grammar practice. You will be doing more speaking practice. And that's why it's a bit, you have a bit more leeway. But for lower levels, it's very crucial. And a lot of people don't realize that, that they need to have consistency. Yes, you might have life events. Yes, obviously, there might be some situations and then you will miss. But I've noticed there are a lot of people who have this as consistent pattern. So they would do a lesson, have a lesson, and we talk again about some general classes. So something that is supposed to be regular. So they take a lesson, then they go away, something happens, they might not be feeling like having a lesson, they have another lesson in two or three weeks, and when they come to this lesson, I have basically to reteach everything I taught in the previous lesson. And as much as I'm happy to do it, it is still not very efficient and you're basically wasting your time and money. 
it's very important to have a routine. It's like going to the gym, actually, a very good example. If you go to the gym only once every few weeks, are you going to get muscular and gain the muscle mass, maybe hit your target, or maybe if you're trying to run a marathon, are you going to be able to do that? Mm, probably not. Obviously, there are exceptions, but if you want some results in the gym, you expect, you're expected to be going there pretty often. Same with the language. Obviously, there are different exceptions and different situations, but that's the general concept. Another thing which is quite connected with this one is the homework. And a lot of people don't want it, and that's fair enough. We can work around it. But homework is not only a way for you to practice something, because obviously you can practice something with me, but homework is the way to revise the material in between lessons, allowing us to have lessons less often. Well, if you're not in the environment, because obviously, if let's say you live in China and you're studying English, there is very little chance you will encounter English outside of the classroom. And this is where the homework comes in handy. Because we have a lesson on Monday, then on Tuesday you're doing your homework, then we're having a lesson on Wednesday, and now you have three days with only two lessons, but you have three days of you being involved, being of you using English, being immersed in English. So this is one very important concept to understand. That And homework can be very different, and I understand that a lot of people coming from academic backgrounds are used to maybe quite boring homework. But homework can be anything, and again, we can discuss it, not only we, but if you discuss it with your teacher in the lesson, you might actually get homework that you will enjoy doing, and thus, again, you will increase the amount of English you're using and the number of days you're being within the English-speaking environment, in a way. And the third thing I wanted to talk about today is full-on self-learning students. And... I feel like it's a very interesting and very kind of disputable topic, but I really, really don't approve of it, if I can say. I think it works really well for people who speak a foreign language or French. So if you're all for people who maybe have some educational background, if you know what you're doing or if you have enough resources, then obviously you can plan your syllabus, you can structure your course, and you can do it yourself. The only problem that will come, regardless of how well educated you are, is the speaking. Because obviously, for speaking, you need a partner. And that's the part you will have to look at regardless. And normally, people who speak multiple foreign languages, they already know all the websites, all the places where they can find a speaking partner, and then they can practice. But if we talk about, let's say, the general public, the chances are that you're not very maybe educated in terms of teaching or learning a foreign language, and you might not even speak another foreign language, which is also very, very common among adults. But this means that then you need to be very careful. Because usually, and that's a big, big, big mistake, people miss out on one of the aspects of the language. So in general, if we look at the language, there are usually multiple separate aspects that we are looking at. Some of them have some of them are receptive, meaning passive, so you receive them, and this will be reading and listening. And some of them are productive, so you need to produce to make something, and this will be speaking and writing. 
So there are four of these aspects, and there are also some other aspects that are quite directly involved in making the before-mentioned four happen, and that will be grammar and vocabulary. So overall, there are kind of like six separate sections, and what usually happens, people miss some of them. I've seen a lot of people who would be solely focusing on doing grammar and writing, and then obviously your listening skills would suffer, your speaking skills would suffer. And there are some people who try to focus on speaking a lot, while they still don't have enough basis, like baseline, the reason for baseline they're building. So let's talk about these cases and let's talk about why it might not be a good idea and what to do about it. The first thing to remember is that the current approach, so the current, let's say, like standard approach in the whole world of teaching a foreign language is the communicative. Meaning that even though we're teaching you all the aspects and we're teaching you grammar, we're still focusing on the production. So we're still focusing on how to use it in real life. And if you remember, I've mentioned there are two productive skills, writing and speaking. So this means that whenever I'm teaching grammar, even if I'm teaching purely grammar and vocabulary, I will still be teaching it from the perspective of enabling and making sure that you practice and you learn how to use this particular grammar or vocabulary topic in real life to speak or to write or to do both, depending obviously on the topic. So this is the first part, which means that you don't really need to have separate speaking lessons unless you need to improve only this skill or you have a particular purpose where you need most or predominantly speaking. But what happens if you focus on only one or two or three out of the whole six skills is that others will be lower level. So for example, you study a lot of grammar, and you're awesome, you understand, you learned, I don't know, the syllabus for the C2 level grammar, and then your speaking is at A1 level. And now will be the question, like the question I will ask myself when you come to me. What do I do here? Because what happens here, and this is the case, if you have very high level of grammar but very low level of speaking, this tells me that you learned the grammar rules but you didn't learn how to use them which in essence means that I might need to reteach you these grammar rules, at least in from the point of reminding you that's the grammar rule, and now let's practice how to use it, which seems like a bit of a waste of overall resources. The second situation that can happen is it might be that you even know how to use it, but you've just not had enough practice. So, you know, like, you take longer to make sentences, or maybe you just don't understand other people speaking. You might like this listening perceptive. And this is also a very common case, and that's where the particular types of lessons, like, for example, conversational classes will be very, very useful. However, this is the case where they come useful only because something was not done very well in the previous stage. Same thing can happen if you focus too much on the speaking skills. And I've had that a lot with my Russian students, where they come to me, they try to do the speaking classes, and that's why I actually had to raise the threshold up to level B1, B2, because if you're level A1, A2, I, I don't want to be doing speaking classes with you, because I just don't think it's efficient. And the reason why I'm saying that is because even if we're doing general classes, remember, we'll still do a lot of speaking. However, it will be way more structured, meaning that it will help you improve. While in essence, general speaking classes are not aimed general speaking. Speaking or conversational classes are not aimed at propelling you forward to the next level. 
they're aiming at giving you good spe speaking skills and obviously listening skills within the same level, within the level that you already that you already at. Because if we're doing a conversational practice, or if you're even hiring a native speaker to practice speaking, pronunciation, intonation with them, they're not really going to be teaching you grammar or a lot of vocabulary because that's not what you're booking the class for. Which means that there is very little space or room for for allowing you to move, for example, from the level A2 to the level B1 or B2. And that's what comes in addition. And same happens in any way, whichever skill you focus on. So that's important for you when you're self-studying to remember that you need to work on all of them. And that's where I would suggest you might actually want to consult a professional teacher so they help you build the program for you, build the curriculum, and maybe advise you on what resources to use. And then you can just do regular checkups, like, I don't know, once a month, once every three months. And at the same time, obviously, you're going to have to get yourself a speaking partner, preferably a native or an advanced speaker. So you can adopt some of the speaking strategies and you can practice your own. If you, for any reason, maybe you can't afford, you don't want to work with a teacher at all, then you can use a set course because obviously within any course, it's usually well-structured and it involves all the aspects. So then you can use this set course. But that's important that you remember that you should not miss any of the skills. And if we talk about rights and skills as well as speaking, you will need somebody to help. There is no way you will be able to develop them to a higher level without external influences because you can't do it by yourself. So I think this is all I wanted to talk about today. Obviously, there are way more things I would want to cover in terms of some misconceptions or maybe some mistakes. So subscribe, like the podcast, and then maybe I'll make another one talking about more of them. But for now, enjoy. See you soon.